welcome to 143, the episode. Uh, and the same day as Zaha's 400th appearance for Palace as well. What a lovely day he's probably had. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we are recording right after the final whistle. Uh, I am Josh, as always, joined by whoever wants to go first. Adam's here. I'm I'm absolutely jazzed. Jazz. Nearly broke my TV. Uh, wonderful. Wonderful end. Uh, yeah. And Craig here, equally jazzed. Um, just unreal scenes. And yeah, like I said, a lot of shouting and screaming. I'm sure the rest of uh, my apartment block is wondering what happened. <laughs> and the beauty of it is, is because of COVID, most people are home. So they all are, are abundantly aware of uh, oh, being a very happy man. It's 12 past four here in the afternoon. People are still working. So um, I apologize in the rare chance that someone's listening to this in my vicinity. Yeah, everyone in, in Chicago is glued to their set, taking a look at Selhurst. People, people don't even say set anymore today. It's from the 1960s. Yeah. But, I was going to say, that's, that terminology is older than you. you know. <laughs> I was ahead of my time, Josh. <coughs> Clearly. Uh, what a night. Well, I mean, it's... Uh, at the same time, not, right, though, because it was quite poor up until the 94th minute and about 48 seconds. Uh, this was about 13 seconds away from being a very different podcast uh, to, the, to the one that we, we're, we're on right now. And I think that really just sums it up perfectly. Uh, in the comments, you know, people are just laughing openly because it was the funniest ending ever. Uh, uh, it was an absolutely sort of miserable 94 minutes of viewing. Uh, and then that end, as soon as, as soon as that kick went out, you just, because you, you, you hope at the end of those games, like you, you watch hundreds of football games, hoping for that little moment where the keeper shanks out of the end or is a misplaced pass. Like, we just, I just want one more chance, one more. And then that ball came through and, I, and Mope wasn't going to miss for me and it's and the fact that he just audaciously dinked it right over as well just I mean talk, you can't have more of a pressure finish as a Brighton striker playing at Selhurst Park against Palace to rescue the game and I mean he's proven that when he gets a shot this season when he gets a chance he's good to go mm -hmm. wonderful yeah I mean just he, saving the game like that and again all of the all of the ear copping towards the the fans of of all four stands um as well but you're looking at a different more pay now right he misses that last year um and, and i think going back to last year it almost feels like that just desserts of the smash and grab they did to us at the amex um so it's nice maybe to dish that out <laughs> rather than take it in for once um yeah. so you know you Waiting for that one chance, you know, we're, we're talking throughout the game, right? Just please, just one chance. Just here it is, here it is, here it is. And then you you wait for that one moment. And yeah, having having the ability to finish it off in that way as well. And that's the icing on the cake as, as well. So uh, delirium, but we'll go into the rest of the 94 minutes uh, where Morpé has essentially rescued us from, from dropping and losing to, to Palace, which is unfathomable. Did you, Josh, I know you want to jump, but do you, did you see a few minutes after the game, obviously there was a bunch of chaos that sort of yeah. ensued. But then when the players were trying to get down the tunnel, 
Sanchez was trying to give it some to the Palace fans and had to be sort of dragged away. All the players were shirtless, like hurling abuse at the Palace, but just wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I saw that Sanchez had already started a fight with MacArthur, I think, on the pitch. And I'm not I'm not sure he was acting. He was very much acting like it was MacArthur who started it. But given his subsequent behavior, it makes me think it wasn't. <laughs> it was it was very much the behavior of a very, very excited young 20 something Spanish goalkeeper that uh, decided to contribute to the shithousery uh, yeah. that, that Mopai really started with the way he, he went charging to the fans. I, I, I'm not entirely sure that the ball had crossed the line by the time he had cupped his ears already. <laughs> uh, he was, he was, he lives for it. He lives for just being an ass to people. And, that finish, and we've seen it a couple of times in the chat already. Like it's not an easy finish, like you said, like to just chip the keeper. But my God, is that not a man full of confidence? What what a different player he looks, and it takes one chance now. And and he's and you now, bizarrely enough, you start thinking like, yeah, I think I think he's going to bury anything that's given to him. Well, you only got that pretty much only got that one chance the entire game. So when you when you're sat, well, he's not sat there, is he? But he's wandering about for ninety five minutes, gets nothing, just gets the ball with his back to three defenders, and then finally he gets his chance. I mean, you just can't ask for much more from him. And the ball from Veltman too, just it's ridiculous. It's the only ball he could play that would work, and he did. Really good, and yeah, I mean, the feeding off scraps for what like ninety four minutes, and you know, it's it's easy to get maybe disheartened in that, in that point of view where you sort of, you don't run for that ball, but you know, you, you switch on, you pay attention until that final whistle goes and he finally gets that chance and he gets his, gets his rewards. And what you're talking now, four goals in six games. Um, you know, I know that he had a similar fast start last season where he sort of got to eight and then trailed off, but you're, you're looking at, like you said, a different more pay. You're talking about someone that, you know, if it falls to them, you're expecting it to, to whistle at the back of the net. We're still signing Tevez, though. Don't worry. He's <laughs> coming soon. Yeah, I mean, today, but let's talk about the first 94, unfortunately, do to, to? to do justice to the episode. Yeah. Um, two changes to the starting lineup this week. Pascal Gross, uh, the, the, the controversial Pascal Gross back in for Rich back on the chat first thing in the comment no gross please just for you rich as well rich is consistent in just for you um and uh, and dan burn back from injury uh forming up part of that that back three with the hopes that veltman could go out wide uh we who did we even drop obviously basuma one of them um uh it was, was um march solly oh of course it was yeah on the bench um Started off with a back three, Veltman and Cuckoo out wide, which is fine. Um, I was initially very alarmed, and I said it to both of you at the start. We looked incredibly light in the midfield. Pascal Gross and Adam Lallana all alone against Gallagher, MacArthur, uh, what's his name there? Gay guy, Gui, whatever his name is. Like They are yeah, big, strong, technical midfielders, and... You know, like Alan, like all of these players that have given us big problems this year, um, I was very worried. Basuma is usually the foil for those midfielders, and he was not there today. 
front three of Welbeck, Mopai, Trossard, Morpe, Mopé, whatever his name is. Um, he can be whatever he wants now. <laughs> I was very concerned we were going to lose that midfield battle with Conor Gallagher being a big part of that. Um, unfortunately, I'd got it spot on for at least the first 45 minutes. When you looked at that side, how were you two feeling in the run-up to kickoff, seeing those changes that have been made and obviously having to account for no Basuma? Exactly the same. I mean, in terms of... you, I mean, you've nailed it, really, in terms of the, the centre-midfield pairing there um, of, of Gross and Lalana against a very... Well, Conor Gallagher, who's shown in the last couple of games that he is a bundle of energy and he does make those runs and he's very dynamic. Um, and... The, the workhorses that Palace have in that midfield, um, it it kind of looked inevitable that we'll be run over, um, especially in that that area of the pitch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we all know that we miss Basuma. You can't replace an irreplaceable. Um, but it it does it does highlight that when he is out, then we are going to struggle. Um, and I think that's probably my medium term concern that you know no. I guess no no player is you know completely injury free and we need to have uh, a suitable replacement. But instead, we we sent a few out on loan. Um, so I, I thought the same. I thought midfield was going to be overrun, and especially in the first twenty five minutes, that's exactly what happened. A couple of episodes back, we talked about uh, how we have this wealth of talent in central midfield, but it's mainly players that want to get forward and run run into the opposition half. We don't have a lot of players that want to sit up, sit back and, and break up play. That's pretty much Basuma. And I guess if you sort of square peg in a round hole, you could argue Alzate. Um, outside of that, Moda wants to get forward. Casado's gone. Uh, we know the situation with Lalana and Gross. They don't really want to sit back and break up play. There's more chance of Lalana breaking his leg. Like that, We don't have a ton of those players. And we saw that. I think... Thankfully, Potter saw that that was an issue quite quickly because we're, we're, in the first 10 minutes of every game this season, we've been absolutely garbage. We've sort of just sat back, forgotten what we're doing and let let the opponent just come onto us and do whatever they want. And hopefully we can just weather the storm a little bit. Um, we did that here and then he, he switched up the formation a little bit. It reminded me, so I said this before we, we went live, so much of the Everton game will be faced a similar sort of setup where you've got those, those three forwards coming out. You've got this really solidified central midfield grouping that are just strong and big. Um, you're worried about the pace on the wings. And then at the same time, our central defence nullifies the striker like we did for the most part with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Eduard didn't do anything, um, but we still had to worry about everyone else. And it, it, we just... We never really got into our game at, at any point in the match. Um, you miss that with Basuma big time because Gross and Lalana are not going to break up that creative play from the Palace side. Yeah, it was it was like you said, it was abundantly quick, clear from the word go that they were overrun. And thankfully, like you said, within about 20, 25 minutes, Potter had them adjust. Um the penalty. For half, just before half time, uh, came at the hands of, funnily enough, Conor Gallagher uh, and Trossard miles out of position, all the way back in his own box on the opposite side of the pitch he'd been playing in all day. Um, was it a penalty for you two? For me, uh, nailed on. I think it was really lazy. Uh, it had shades of the Veltman foul a couple of weeks ago, um, but actually, probably a little bit worse because it was even more needless. Um, I, I don't think Gallagher was particularly going anywhere, 
with that challenge, uh, with that with the ball, I, I I didn't see a point in time where I thought, oh, we might score here. Like it looked like he was kind of running into a corridor of nothing. Um, but for me, it was a nailed on pen. Yeah, clear. I think it just in, in terms of when you're talking 44, 45 minutes through, out of position, wrong side of the pitch, a very clumsy challenge that comes after 44 minutes of running around trying to pressure and not getting a lot. So, yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say about that. It It is a penalty um, and duly dispatched by uh, who, who we won't name. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. It, you if if that was one of if that was Lalana going down in the box the palace end we'd have been screaming for a penalty so you just can't do that I, I want Lalana everywhere on the pitch apart from that one particular position he was in at that moment in time um, and I think Potter will invariably probably tell him <laughs> not to be doing that type of thing in the future but it it, it wasn't his best game trust lad he was buzzing around but he was. He was a little bit out muscle today. In terms of the rest of it, you know, we came on at halftime, made the change, Alzate on, Dan Burn off. Um, and 20 minutes after that, Alzate goes down pretty, pretty rough uh, turn at the ankle and, and Moda came on instead. The change was pretty, you know, pretty obvious from the offset. They're, they're taking the man off to stop going to that back three anymore. And they kind of went to a, I think you pointed it out during the game, Adam, a more of a 4-3-3. Um, not quite as wide as they did against Brentford, but very much a 4-3-3 nonetheless. I thought they looked better with Alzate, and I thought they looked even better with Moda. Why is why is Jakob Moda not getting more game time? I mean, I have the same question for McAllister as well, just the, in terms of what happens there. And I think Adam alluded to it just before in terms of the, the modders and the McAllisters of the world, you do want a further up the pitch. Um, and what you're asking Gross and Lalana to do today is not quite that. You're, you're asking Trossard and, and Mope to do, and Welbeck to that effect, to, to be wide in that 4-3-3, um, or at least in that 5-3-2 that we had in terms of Trossard fills in at that false nine. I, I hate the term, but in terms of just above the, the two central midfielders. Um, too many attacking people in that midfield means we're automatically going to get overrun anyway. It's a bit of a lose-lose. So it, in that respect, I think what... What the problem is, is that obviously we love Moda and McAllister because of their creativity and what they do. Um, but ultimately, that's not what we're asking them to do if they're going to start in that 11, because we need them to settle and we need them to almost dictate play like Lalana does sometimes. Um, they're very good impact subs, and I think they duly deliver pretty much nearly every time in terms of coming on as a sub. Um so, so maybe that, maybe that's it. Maybe it is that. Um, but I, I feel, and I think we spoke about this last week and a few weeks ago. I think as soon as Lalana comes out of that team via injury or, or whatever, and Moda does go in there, I, I don't think he's given that position away. Yeah, Moda played when he was introduced. He was pushed up really high, um, similar to kind of where we see him blaze forward for Poland and where he seems to do a lot of his best work. I mean, when the ball was going up the pitch for the last 15, 20 minutes, Moda was one of the further up than pretty much anyone. Um, yeah, he's not, I don't think he's, I think Potter's realised he's not designed to sit there and defend in front of the, you know, our central defensive group. And we need to basically make space for him to be somewhere else. 
I just at the moment, I clearly Potter prefer, prefers someone with a little bit more pace in in those forward positions. Um, and I, like we talked about before, it's just too crowded out in that more advanced central role. I still don't, I still don't know where he perfectly fits in Potter's system, and I don't think he really knows yet either. But I want to see more of him because every time he comes on, I feel like we look like a better team. Would you? So here's mine. Here's my thought on that because I agree with you. Why? Why would we not? I feel that his best position, like you said, is more forward based because, and I think similar to po- like similar to you saying his best work for Poland is doing what he's doing. Similarly, we've seen him exposed once or twice, unfortunately, against England and other teams when he's asked to do a defensive job for Poland. Uh, obviously, surrounded with not as good talent, but he's still making those mistakes all on his own. They're individual mistakes that he makes. Why? Why aren't we? Why aren't we considering the idea of of swapping him out for Welbeck sometimes? Uh, when instead of having a more of a two one a one two with Trossard kind of behind a little bit, uh, Welbeck Mopay, why why are we not choosing to go the other way and kind of having a two one and having those two play pretty much exactly how they did today um, when he came on with with Mudder and, and Trossard kind of bouncing in and around Mope that that was so effective in that last 20 minutes. Well, I mean, the only thing I can see is that, you know, Mode is doing a good job at sub and he's just not trusted as much as maybe Welbeck and Trossard are. Um, you know, Trossard had a, a bad game today, but yeah, in the, the first sort of five games or so, he has been good. So, you know, in, in terms of that, it's very hard to replace Trossard at this point in time. And with Welbeck scoring, you know, at Leicester and, and bits and pieces, he, he does the job that maybe Potter's asking him to do. Um, the only explanation I could possibly have is that he prefers him coming on as an impact sub. Well, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a Welbeck fan. Uh, and I think what he, he brings you in some of his hold-up play uh, and you even saw, I mean, he's, he's getting on a bit, he's, you know, with his injuries, but for the first 15, 20 minutes, when we did have an outlet, he's quite comfortable beating his man and going around and trying to create something. And Moda, I just don't think Moda has that in his game properly yet. He, he tends to come on when the game is a little bit more broken up and he can exploit things with his sort of marauding size and, and and, and energy that, that Welbeck doesn't have at that point in the game. Um, we'll have to see what happens in terms of, I don't think Potter is clearly going to be a person that is going to change his system for a player. For Christ's sake, we played Dan Byrne at left wing back for nearly an entire season. We've been playing anyone right wing back this season. Gross been there against Demerai Gray. Like He's not going to make a position for Moda. He's, Moda's going to have to find a position in Potter's side. Yeah. Um, Question from Mikey. Should we have seen Lamptey today? I feel he would have given us some much-needed energy second half. Here's my thought on that. I think we would have if Alzate hadn't got hurt. I think that the extra sub, he may well have utilised it. It's a toss-up for me. I think it would have been him or Maka coming on. But I think that, depending on how he wanted the game to go, um, if he wanted to, you know, whatever he wanted to see, I, I have a feeling he would have been... Of the seven or eight or however many there are now, I think it's like nine on the bench, isn't it, these days? I think of the nine, he was in that top four list, personally. Um, he was just... It just wasn't an opportunity when Alzate got hurt. Uh, the, 
who would he have come on for? Because if you say Veltman, then we don't get that goal at the end. So, you know, it's there's that piece to it. I thought Veltman played pretty well today. Um, yep. it, you know, there, there aren't too many, apart from that incredible end to the game where invariably everyone's man of the match is going to be Mopé for that one one moment. <laughs> Outside of that, I don't think there was a man of the match, quite frankly. So it was just a sort of malaise of indifference. But Veltman was good. So, I mean, I, I think we'd have seen McAllister potentially come on. Um, but I think he would have played if he was ready and fit and pot. I thought he could have done a, a proper job. Um, clearly, he's not quite there yet. I think that's pretty much what it comes down to, right? He, he, he gets 45 minutes at Swansea in a, a fairly, I guess, a, a nice sort of 45 minutes, if you like, not in a heated rivalry with a, maybe a lot of strong challenges coming yeah, he in. He's crunched and he's out for six months. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, in terms of just, I guess... Right. Well, I guess in terms of the wrong timing, you know, if that was any other game, I think he probably would have come on as an impact sub and he would have done, he would have gone for it. But um, like Adam said, like Veltman done well today, handled Zaha relatively, you know, relatively comfortably in, in terms of, you know, not being overrun. They wound each other up a bit as well. That was fun to watch. But in, in terms of just managing that and and that sort of their star player. Um, so, if anything, I think it was either going to be McAllister or March who who clearly knows, you know, what that's about. And and that would probably be my 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 thought would be that if you wanted someone to come on for Veltman or anything like that, it probably would have been March anyway. Um, I would rather that than risk Lamptey getting crunched, like you said, after two minutes of coming into the coming into the game. Um, I am excited to see him back, obviously, but coming on one nil down away to the rivals that <laughs> where they are going to throw in a couple of challenges. Um, I, don't, I don't think Potter wanted to risk that. It'd be nice to see him against Arts or Norwich uh, and or both, you know, that that's feels yeah. like he can do some work there. If you remember even last year or when he played before, he didn't start every single game where it was one of these more sort of melee driven games. Um, and, and we and we would switch him out for someone a little bit more defensive-minded. So he might, even if he was fully fit, maybe he wouldn't have played in this one. Yeah. Um, Veltman, I thought, was superb. Uh, his counterpart on the left, I thought, was once again excellent. Yeah. Um, the composure of Kukurea was just excellent, again. Um, he is just so comfortable, isn't he? I feel like he's just... The adaption to the Premier League to play that rivalry game at their place... After in his third game in the Premier League, and look, not a piece out of place, and probably one of our bright sparks in the first ninety-four minutes. Um, him and Veltman were those two for me. Yeah. How how important is he going to be going forward? I mean, it's just incredible, isn't he? In in terms of just we we talked about the like the period of time it takes for a player to adapt to the Premier League and and maybe giving them, you know, like Trossard's a good example where it gives him a couple of seasons maybe to get up and running to his full potential. You're seeing Kukurea right now just hit the ground running and be anything that we need him to be. I, you're, you're talking, we started with a back five and then switched to a back four. He's playing at left wing back. He drops into left back. You see him way up the pitch on that left mid side as well in terms of towards the end, chasing chasing the, the point. Um yeah, it, you couldn't tell that it's his third game um, at all. It looks like he's been playing with us for years. It's remarkable, really. He looks, uh, what I quite like about him is he looks comfortable on the ball. Uh, he always looks like he's going to sort of drive forward. Uh, he's 
already picked up some of the intricacies in the passing triangles that that are sort of a core part of Potter's system. And I also like that he feels a little bit more direct than what we've typically been in the past. If he's in a good position on that left side, he'll swing across it. We'll see what happens. I like that because it doesn't always happen historically. We'll get that and we'll just play it back in the middle and and we'll lose it and something will happen. Get the ball in there and see what see what happens. Um, we, we just, without him, we don't often have that kind of different edge. And I think I sent a really insightful message during the game that, that said, I like Cuckoo. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's just a very welcome addition to this club. There's no wonder they spent a long time trying to get him. Like he, he slots in great. Yeah. Uh, we, we lost the XG again today. Uh, 1.41 to 1.02 according to the XG philosophy worth noting that I think 0.65 of that is a penalty XG I think that's 0.65 is is a penalty Um, so really you're looking at the fairer result if you take away the pen XG we're talking a 0-0 or 1-0 to us would you have felt that 0-0 was fair today I, I think that albeit I think they played a lot better than us in that first half they still, it still felt a little bit annoying that they were going to come away with a win. Obviously, because of who they are, but also because they just didn't really do anything that impressive for the full ninety-five minutes. Um, for me, I thought I felt a draw was much more reflective of the performance we'd watched. Either way, um, do you think that the XG reflects the reality where there was just not really a great deal going on for each side? I think I think so. I you know this they they came out very fast in terms of you know they they did what they they had to do and you know bearing in mind that the first ten minutes of every Brighton game this season is us playing like a hot mess. So in terms of just um, controlling the game in that first half, I thought you know they they did well and they played better than us in that forty five. The second half is much more of a toss-up in in terms of just who has control and we're obviously chasing something. Um, Jordan Ayew puts puts one wide from pretty much a one-on-one, but good pressure from Sanchez. Um, and, you know, it's, we always say, I, and fine margins in terms of, you know, what if, and, you know, this podcast could have been so different if it, you know, if there was four minutes of added time. You, you know, there's, there's always those sort of bits. Um, but I think... On, on reflection, you know, given what happened and bits and pieces, I would have been happy if it ended at 44, like 94 and it was nil-nil. I think the point would have been fair for me. You know, I think uh, we won that game one all. Uh, that's what it felt like at the end. Uh, yeah. Mope scored the winner in my mind because the Palace fans will go home furious. Uh, Zaha was walking off the, the pitch, just mumbling away, just enough, like really annoyed. Brighton fans were cheering, celebrating. We were celebrating. That that's the win right there. Did we deserve it? it doesn't matter if you deserve it, really. And it, it's 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 how we went to Selhurst Park, and we didn't play very well for quite a lot of the game. We didn't really play our game at all. Uh, and that winner at the end to me, that that does it. So that's yeah, a I think, bad way of saying I don't really care what it ended up being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to me, I think the same. Like I agree with you in that. Like the if we'd have won two 0 tonight and top of the league, we'd have been buzzing. Obviously, obviously buzzing. But 
the manner of the goal to draw it so late, it honestly, I think I'm honestly more buzzing now than I would have been if we'd have gone top with a 2-0 win because those last-minute goals to take it away from someone is always great. To do it against your rivals at their place when they have probably played the better game in terms of holding the ball, exercising their tactics and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just brilliant. It's a brilliant feeling. And and when you sit there and you watch like the aftermath of, you know, Mope laughing and, and Zaha having a huge tantrum and Palace fans trying to throw things and people jumping on the pitch and just absolute chaos. It just... It makes it even better. People are honking in the streets where you are. See, yeah. everyone's still going off. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm... we're sat there. We're sat there now in the table. Uh, we've got thirteen points from our opening six. Uh, you know, we got a draw away at Sellers last year, so we've kind of matched that result as well, which is great. We're not dropping points where we were getting them last year, and I think that's just as important as getting points where we weren't prior. Um, next up is. Arsenal, who have suddenly found their form, kind of, uh, because I think it was Craig yesterday uh, so generously pointed out that Arsenal really didn't do much special. It was more that Tottenham were absolutely piss poor. Uh, those three behind Aubameyang, though, are very young and very talented if they get a bit of confidence in their sales. How are we feeling about it? I don't know. I I mean, just in terms of just where we are today and the the game that we played for 94 minutes, obviously the confidence boost of pretty much us, like Adam, just winning 1-1 and and having that last minute goal keeps that confidence level up that we can score at any time and we can rescue results in terms of in terms of what we're doing. Um, Arsenal is a, a very different Arsenal to the first three games to what we're seeing now. And and you're, you're right in terms of the midfield. But it's a very different midfield to maybe where we try and, well, where we evidently lose that midfield battle. You know, we're talking about two games now where it's Everton and it's Crystal Palace. Big, dynamic midfield duos or trios in there that overrun just in physicality and energy alone. Um we're talking about a very different three in the middle for Arsenal here. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that they're lightweight. I'm just saying it's a very different way of playing in terms of being able to run the game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Potter actually goes at this. Um, first of all, whether Basuma is going to be back or not is obviously fundamental to, to that. Um, but, but also in terms of it's a very different prospect to what we saw today, where you get overrun by pure physicality and energy, as opposed to maybe their tactical noose or maybe their first touch in terms of the Arsenal three. Yeah, I, I really like what you're saying there in terms of they've got talent, Arsenal, but God, they've got no bottle, have they? They never have any bottle. And I'm more scared of going up against a team that has this sort of like militia unit in the middle of just, just bodies. <laughs> and Arsenal don't... I mean, Jack is a bit of an arsehole, but he's not really... That's not him for... This doesn't worry me too much, Shaka. Um, I think you can you can overcome Odegaard with, with having Basuma there. He's a good player, but he's not doesn't he's not scary i feel like i'm going to eat these words a little bit what i'm excited about is seeing if we do have lampty back and with cucurelli in there i mean what we're going to tierney tries to bomb forward as much as possible Tomo yasu uh, sure sounds good and of course we're going to we're going to face off against our old boy ben white so uh, they're they're so suspect if we can get the ball forward 
Uh, I'm not. Well, I think our defense is is looking okay. I'm not too scared about Smith Rowe and Saka if they're pinned down. I think uh, Marty in the chat points that out with the fact that we drew without Basuma with an injured substitute, and with Palace's only goal coming from a penalty. It does shine light on even if we are purely defensive, we have we have made ourselves very tough to break down. It was almost at times today. It was very cute esque the defensive job we were doing. I think it helps. Can't say that Shane. nowadays, Josh. <laughs> I think seeing Shane Duffy in there helps. Uh, but talking of Shane Duffy, we're like you said, we're going up against our old friend Ben White. That defense is ripe for some Pascal Gross to Shane Duffy or Lewis Dunk headers uh, at set pieces. I, I'm really, really confident about this game, regardless of the results they've just pulled out. That defense is there to be attacked, and we have so many ways to do it. Like you said, like their wing backs or their, their full backs rather are going to be desperate to bomb forward. And if we do have Lamptey fit, Tierney's going to have a real bad day at the office. Even if we lose three nil, I still think Tierney would come out with like a five point one rating because he would just be exposed constantly. Yeah. It'll be fun. It will be. I, it's going to be a great game, just the, in terms of that. And I think you're right in terms of the sheer. I mean, the the offense nature of Duffy and Dunk, and being able to have Gross on those set pieces. Even Kukurea is now standing over them as well from a from a different perspective too. So, it. I think that's obviously where that is going to probably be our best shot um, in terms of just being able to expose them aerially in terms of the corners and the set pieces. Um, but you, you've also got, you know, Ben White there who knows exactly what we're doing. You know, he, he's played in that team last year. Like he, he's going to know, but at the same time, I'm always, I'm always fascinated by coming up against your sort of ex players that come on because they know the regime that you're playing and they know what you're going to try and attempt. So whether there's something there where we know that Ben White's maybe not as good in the air really either is that you, you're going to see Shane Duffy try and attack maybe, you know, the, the worst center back really that might be Ben White. I don't watch enough Arsenal to be honest. It's probably for the best. I, I, it, I think the most interesting thing for me about this game is, is it's two sides fresh off of, excitement from their derby games um and the brighton squad and us as fans are going to feel like we discussed feel like we we got the better end of that deal today we won that in our minds arsenal crush spurs there's no doubt about that it's just two sides that are just going to feel like they can pretty much do anything at the moment and hopefully we get us to face a side that is going to come out and attack and we'll have a free-flowing game um and we can perhaps play our football a little bit more. And we haven't been able to do that too much with some of the sides that we've played, which have been these sort of intricate chess matches, the Everton's, the Burnley's, the Pallet, you know? So we'll see. Yeah, Brentford too. I mean, they look yeah. great again this weekend. They are yeah, they're no look they're no longer on my list of of going down candidates. I think they're gonna I think they're definitely going to stay up this season. What happens next season is one thing, is another thing altogether. I think they may well be really ripe for a second season catastrophe. Um, but this season, I think they are going to be absolutely fine. They are playing a really good brand of football. They're doing really well. They've hit the ground running. And it goes to show that these teams that are well run, not that Tony would be happy me saying that about a Brentford side, uh, but, you know, like... It's clear that 
if you come up with the right philosophy, you're going to do well in the Premier League now. And a lot of people have said that there's this huge insurmountable gap and it's going to get worse and worse with different things coming in and the TV money. And a different team comes up every year and tells you, shows you that isn't the case. In terms of the people that are in the relegation zone, it's some of the ones that we've been seeing for a while. Burnley, expectedly Norwich. Uh, Newcastle are in big trouble down there. When you look at those sides down there, do you think we're going to start seeing poorer run clubs start to suffer as opposed to... Because it seems to me now that even if you've been in the Premier League five, six years these clubs that are not being ran as well as opposed to the ones that are being ran very well with that analytical data and all that stuff and that progressive young coach and all this stuff are starting to outperform them almost based on mentality. It's almost Ted Lasso-ish. Um, like they shouldn't be doing as well as they are, but they are. Do you think that we're going to start seeing a, a, a pivot there and you're going to start seeing some of these more poorer run clubs that have been surviving for five, six, eight seasons start to suffer? I mean, I can I can take that one, Craig. I mean, uh, perhaps uh, it's we're so early in the season to draw any conclusions, pretty much from anything that's happened. Uh, the fact is, we're we're already now talking about saying, well, Arsenal feel like they could actually be a little bit dangerous now, uh, and Tottenham, oh yeah, Spurs, they're looking pretty bad. Look at all this data showing they're twentieth and everything. Two games ago, with Spurs, we we're like, oh yeah, they're doing great this season. They dealt with Man City, Arsenal going down. It's changed in about three weeks less for, for a lot of our, these predictions. The game I'm worried about is Norwich. I'm, I'm worried about seeing Norwich because Norwich will win a game at some point and it will come and everyone will go, well, that's a bold, that that's a bold prediction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming. And, and you just don't want to be that banana skin. You, you really, and that, that game worries me in, in many ways more than some of the other games that we've got coming up. Uh, maybe we'll see a big side go down, but we've seen big teams go down that are poorly run in the past. Newcastle have gone down before. You could argue about West Ham, although they're on the up and up a little bit more. Um, maybe if we, if we if we take that mentality, though, Man United got to be worried. <laughs> well, yeah, true. Potter says the game came too soon for Bissouma. Uh So that leads me to believe he may well be fine for Arsenal. Um, he's got the rest of the week to carry on. Alzate obviously rolled his ankle and Welbeck actually tweaked his hamstring. Um, so it may well be safer to leave him out now until the international break is over. Um, Connolly time, wonderful. That was going to be my next question. Do we do we want to, uh, you know, in terms of that Arsenal game, do you want to see if Welbeck is hurt, which I think with a tweaked hamstring, it's very, very unlikely Graham Potter of all people will risk him um, for that game. Who do you want to see replace him? up top or in midfield if you want to bring someone back in from there I mean in terms of the replacement for Welbeck you look to Moda and McAllister really um, in terms of the one thing that I personally wouldn't want to see is Connolly out wide in sort of in that capacity Um if you're going to go uh, to what essentially is a 5-3-2 and then switch it to a 4-3-3 or similar, then Morpé is always going to be that centre foil in terms of what we're going to do up front. It's just who's going to play alongside him. And I, I don't think Connolly is that. I think McAllister is more likely that. Um, or if you're going to go way left field, you're going to look at a Taylor Richards coming off the bench to play that far up. But I, there's a lot of Connolly bashing around. 
obviously scored two very good goals, one very good goal, one deflection against Swansea. Um, but he plays through the centre and we have Morpé, who is undroppable at this point of time. Um, and when they do play together, it doesn't seem to go that well. Um, so I would rather see McAllister over Connolly play um, and just keep Morpé as that centre figure up front. Yeah, I don't know, because clearly Potter made his decision in this game, right? He 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 presumed that Connolly was a better fit for this game when he was bringing Welbeck off um, and didn't bring Alexis on. Um, so I wonder if that gives us any indication of, of what he would plan for, for the Arsenal game. I don't, I've said this before, but I, I haven't been that impressed when Alexis starts games. I feel like he can sometimes get a little bit lost in them and I prefer it when he comes on a little bit later in the game and things are a little bit more open, uh, depending on what the scoreline looks like. Um, it, I think it also depends on whether Lamptey does come in and whether that opens up the right side channel as being a bit more of your focal point. And then you can have the left side and perhaps maybe more a Kukureya and March set up, depending if you want to protect that side a little bit more um, with the threat of, of, of Saka coming down. So we'll see. We're not, unfortunately, we don't have Potter's mind, which is a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, there's not much more to do, is there really? We 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 won one one. Um the game itself was really quite poor all the way through, and we've got little to no data to look at anyway, even if we wanted to, because the game's just finished. Um and it's you know half past five well, almost six o'clock on the east coast, so we've just wrapped up work or whatever. So do you have anything else you two want to add before we wrap up today? I just want to say that Morpé just saved my head-to-head in Fantasy Premier League. So uh, I did I did have him, and that is a double win for me, and I'm counting it. Uh, I think Marty made a very sound comment about the fact that we managed to... There's this cliche, right, about sides not playing well and still coming away with points, and you, you really could sum this game up with that. We, we played without our best player. We have a sub that comes on and gets injured. They only scored a penalty. They didn't really do much creatively against us. We come away with a point. It feels like we want the game. Let's take it and walk away. Well said. And I think that's exactly what I was thinking when I saw the same comment. We were at probably at our worst today, and we came away with a point when I think Palace really played at their best, and that speaks volumes uh, as to where this club is going. And that's the difference, isn't it? Again, we, we always compare to last season in terms of not getting the results or maybe not maybe yeah, not achieving what we what we should. And we've seen a, a stark contrast here where we are resolute, we're defensively very sound. We're almost like I think second in the league in terms of this defensive attempts, if you want to look at stats. And but also, yeah, the resilience and the the dedication to just go the ninety-five minutes and when a chance comes up, we take it. Um Amazing to see compared to last season where, you know, we had 20 chances and put away one in, in a single game. And what a goal. What a moment that will be such a good goal in law now in this club's history. It wasn't just like you say, it wasn't just a glancing header that went in some scuffed shot. It was quality, pretty much last kick of the game. This will now be remembered every time we play Palace. Can't argue <laughs> that too much. And he will be hated 
every time he plays Palace. He <laughs> if he isn't already. Right? He will be booed for the rest of his career at Palace. And that kind of stuff, similar to Zaha, is what he lives for. And that's just going to make him better. And that's I think... all you can ask for. <laughs> so I think there's just something coming through. And again, apologies, because it's straight after the game. But... Uh, the only reason he copped his ears was because he saw Saha do it when he scored. So uh, there's a little bit of... Yeah. He's ultimate, isn't he? He, he really is. Like, he, he loves a wind-up. Yeah, it's like he... Pre- like, knock-up was always a shithouse. Um, and it all just felt very spontaneous for him. Mope almost feels like he's, like, pre... Like, <laughs> just, like, pre-thinking these things. Like, he's, like, got this thought out like in his head and like as soon as he saw Zaha do the ear thing he's probably got it in his head like when I score this is what I'm gonna do and like that is just next level shithousery isn't it unbelievable so good (laughs) right well I will let you get back to your evenings um and we will be back this weekend coming up for the Arsenal game bit more of a reasonable time for us here uh it's on a Saturday afternoon right in the middle of the day so that'll be lovely um, and we'll be able to record just before going into the international break. So have a good rest of your week. I know I will. And be safe. Oh, absolutely. Well, cheers, guys. All right. Cheers, cheers. boys.